your source for Big Ten Talk. It's Off Tackle Empire! Welcome back to Off Tackle Empire as we welcome our comrade Andrew Koshesky back to the States after his sojourn to the Southern Hemisphere. Uh, all the toilets do flush backwards. That's the most. That's what I took out of that trip. I'm really glad that I went to confirm it in person, though. And unlike uh, HighPointSolutions.com Stadium, they actually worked. Yeah, I mean, people, I don't know if Peru necessarily counts as third world or not. It wasn't bad, really. It's not what you think. It's not like a, you know, it's fine. And yeah, all the toilets actually flushed, so it's well ahead of the development curve of the Scatterway. Well, the question is, could Chris Ash win a conference game in Lima? Uh, but that's a question for. Another time, right now the time is, for a win, fight, try, brewster of the week, and celebrating our Wildcat brethren, we have the Soft Parade. Shandy, I can't imagine anything more fitting to describe their path to the Big Ten West title. Hey look, if, you, if Wisconsin is going to have its worst season in like a decade, except the time that they went to the title game with like six losses, and Iowa is likewise going to be their normal selves and just completely fumble away tremendous talent at all the most important positions, it might, somebody might as well take advantage of it. I mean, it's nice to see a new team in the title game, although they're probably going to get squished by whoever they play. Yep, the soft parade. Hey, yeah, and this is a shandy version. Some people don't even think that this is a beer, especially purists, but... You know, I say, uh, you know, a pox on you. This might not be what you think of as a traditional beer, but by the laws of the land, it is the champion of this division. Yeah, Shandy takes losses to Akron sometimes, but those losses don't count in the part of the ledger we're talking about, so. Yes, indeed. So, yep, Northwestern is your Big Ten West champions. Let's go to that game first, actually, because, you know, no, no better segue, right? Um... <laughs> 14 to 10, which I think is like Iowa's patented score, is it not? I mean, even though it's a pretty easy score to get to. I think 17 to 10 was the official that was last, score. Well, that was last, last year. year yeah. 14 to this 10 is, is pretty pretty on brand this that year. That defense has cinched it up a little bit, you know? So <laughs> when they lose, they lose by a closer margin. Um, yeah, looking at the at the stat lines again, there's a lot of things to be frustrated about if you're Iowa. And I say, of course, looking at the stat line because I was on a layover in Lima. So I had about 20 minutes of Wi-Fi good enough to get a game cast going. I checked in on a couple games. I observed this kind of in hindsight and largely through the prism of the box score, but I've seen a few snippets of the game since then. Um, if you had probably the best tight end in the country a certain first-round NFL draft pick, um, how many times would you throw to him in a game where your offense is utterly struggling to move the ball? What do you think you would want his stat line to be? Um, it depends on whether or not he's still in the doghouse from dropping a pass at the end of the game one year ago. Um, would one catch for zero yards be what you're looking for out of Noah Fant? Absolutely. That would probably be what I would expect. Uh, speaking of translating the box score to expectations... You wouldn't need to show me anything about the score of this game. To know exactly how it went, yeah. Yes. D you, you would know that... Nathan Stanley, 27 for 41, uh -huh. Uh -huh. 269 uh -huh. yards, yep. and a touchdown. Yep, that checks out. Yeah, that's not a winning line. 
A winning line for him is more along the lines of 11 for 23 for 125 yards, a touchdown, and three picks. <laughs> yeah, Those then, are the kind of performances that win Iowa games. And then Iowa runs for like 360 yards on 25 carries or something. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. Um, but no, and no, you're thinking of past Iowa. This Iowa runs for something like 250 yards on about 50 carries. Yeah, so... Congratulations, Northwestern. Somebody had to win that terrible, terrible division. And to their credit, they did figure out how to run the ball at long last with Isaiah Bowser uh, emerging, talented freshman, and a great go-ahead catch by Bennett Skronik. Um, I don't know what else there is to say about this one other than that I can't imagine a Northwesterner performance. Despite winning the game, they dropped nine spots in the S&P Plus <laughs> statistical profile to 77, which puts yeah. them second worst in the West, the division that they just clinched, with two games to go. In fact, advanced statistics now put them as an underdog to Minnesota by about a touchdown. So if, you're, if you're Northwestern, do you consider resting your starters? Like, do you bench Clayton Thorson? Do you bench Bowser? Do you bench... Uh, you know, like Patty Fisher and, and Joe Gaziano, do you bench all those guys the last couple weeks of the season so that you roll into the conference game, title game at 6-6 six and six, well, <laughs> with your starters resting? Yeah, that's a good question. Are our Kings benevolent? Do they want to potentially give up two bowl berths in a row to five-win Minnesota and an Illinois that currently has four wins? <laughs> do they want to just, you know, do they, do they want to use their, their kingship to help elevate all others? Are you going to be benevolent rulers, Northwestern, or is your, thrain, is, your, is your reign going to come to a quick and bloody end in the Big Ten title game, after which point we presume Wisconsin will retake the throne? I mean, you know, don't, don't squander this opportunity to be magnanimous and truly place yourself into the, into the people's hearts as their champion. The people's champion. So basically you just watch out for Clayton Thornton's elbow at this point. I'd put, I'd put a bunch of braces on it. So... Uh, Michigers happened, and Michigan scored first, then Rutgers just sliced through them for an 80-yard touchdown. And then the rest of the game happened. Yeah, of course. I played Michigan's defense, so of course they had to give up. (laughs) I mean, it still ended up being fine, really, but... uh, I was expecting horror. Yeah, honestly, in this game, it it feels like... You know what? You know why Michigan did this? Michigan, when I say Michigan can name their score in a game, they really could have. And the 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 reason that they did this was to demonstrate to James Franklin, you are equivalent to Rutgers. This is exactly <laughs> what you are. You are exactly, you mean as much to us as Rutgers. You are Rutgers with a so better polished head. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we, you know, when the season is over, we're going to have to compile all of the sub-100 passing yard games that we have in this. Because, you know, you mentioned that Rutgers had the one good drive, but outside of that, this is another game where Art Sikowski passed for 40 yards in a game where he played most of it. Uh, if is there any chance that Rutgers wins any of these, either of these last two games? They they finish with Penn State and Michigan State. Um, Michigan State's offense cannot get drunk enough to compensate for how poorly Rutgers' offense will play against their defense. Hold Mark D'Antonio's shine, you know, still full of shine. Okay, because we'll get to that game in a little bit. But if you think he's in, all you have to do is convince him that moving the ball against Rutgers is either disrespectful or is what people outside the program want him to do. That's, you know, honestly, everyone in Michigan State fandom and media needs to shut the hell up about the Rutgers game and not say anything. No matter what happens this weekend, nobody say anything about the Michigan State offense because if he hears criticism, he will be determined to prove it wrong by doing exactly what he's already doing 
he will find a way to make Rutgers look like the 85 Bears. So and Since we're already talking about Michigan State, I can't stop looking at that box score and seeing that two in the third quarter for Ohio State. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> it, when you're, if you've followed a game, if you haven't done this in a while, if you're following a game just on GameCast with the live updates every few seconds, you can't exactly tell the intent of a play, if you will. When I saw that safety pop up, on the box score, I was like, well, shit, you know, that's kind of what's going to happen if you're, if, I mean, for one thing, before we get into this, in a moment of true sincerity, Drew Chrisman probably had the best punting game that I remember. I, I can't think of a better one at any level, pro, college, whatever, than he had because of his work. Michigan State started six drives in a row inside their five-yard line. I think I have that right. Or it might be backwards, five inside the six or whatever, but... He that's ridiculous. With an offense as bad as Michigan State's, to put them that in that deep of a hole, so deep in a you know so many times in a row, he gave the Ohio State offense chance after chance after chance to finally grind down Michigan State's defense, which played heroically, frankly, um, in light of how bad position their offense was putting them in. And then yeah, so that safety pops up on the score, and you're like, well, shit, you know, if you keep starting drives inside the one, eventually, yeah, you're gonna have a busted assignment or something or a penalty, and that's gonna happen. No, that was not an accident. And then on the ensuing free kick, what happened? Do you recall? Did you were you watching? Did you see? No, I was not. Punted the fucking free kick out of bounds. <laughs> how does that even happen? Well, I'll tell you how it happens. It's because they had Cole Hahn do it, and he's not a punter. He's the kickoff specialist. <laughs> now, you would think if a guy's a kickoff specialist, you'd be able to do that. But him punting, all, I mean, if you count a free kick as a punt, also represents the fifth, one, two, three, four, five punters that Michigan State has used this year. After two season-ending injuries, a benching due to ineffectiveness, the, I would say the burning of a redshirt, but I guess Prishtup could still maintain his because there's not enough games left in the season. And then for whatever reason, instead of having Prishtup punt the free kick, they have the kickoff specialist do it, and he uh, just wasn't really ready for that moment. He's pretty good at kickoffs. Apparently, he can't be trusted for anything else. I have never, ever heard of a season where the punter depth chart is ravaged. Like, the, what's happening to the punter depth chart is like what happened to Maryland's quarterbacks last year. Yeah, well, that's also happening to our quarterbacks, not to quite that extent, but it obviously Lewerke is still hurt. Lombardi apparently hurt his hand and kind of played through it. I, I mean... I still feel okay about this weekend, but Nebraska's a live wire, man. It's not a guaranteed win for Michigan State this weekend, and you know we'll go into the preview in a moment. But this is, you know, this was a game at the beginning of the season where I planned this vacation. I was fine missing this game because, for one thing, I thought, as I think most of us did, that Ohio State was going to be the same rolling ball of knives that they were last year. I was like, you know what? I don't need to see my team lose by 50 again to that team. And then. It turns out that I was entirely correct to plan a vacation to miss this game, but for a very different reason, because this was a game that very obviously Michigan State could have won, maybe should have won, because for whatever reason, Ohio State continues to dramatically underperform relative to the talent they have on the roster. This ended up being a game that looked like a comfortable margin for them, but it really wasn't. 7-6, well into the third quarter, until eventually Michigan State's defense runs out of gas. So... Uh, if you're Ohio State, you are somehow the most completely under-the-radar team that's still alive for the playoff, despite being Ohio friggin' State. Now, that doesn't mean that you would feel good about your chances to make it, because you got to beat Michigan to get there. But, <laughs> you know, think historically. I mean, has... Hasn't been a problem in the past. No. And so, as you know, as furious as Ohio State fans probably are with how their team has looked over the last most of this season... Um, still got a lot of goals in front of you. If you're a one-loss Ohio State team, 
things are not going to shake out such that you will be left out of the playoff. Hey, are you more pissed off now than you were when you lost at home to Virginia Tech to start the 2014 season? And we saw how that worked out. So so speaking of doing really stupid things on special teams, um, no matter who the coach is, no matter who the athletic director is, no matter who the players are, no matter who the special teams coach is, no matter what the name of the team is, no matter what our mascot is, no matter what our colors are, no matter what uniforms we're wearing, no matter what sport we're playing, Illinois will never, ever be able to field a punt. Muffed two punts with two different return men, and the best part was that the second one featured another guy going back and trying to pick up the ball and run with it instead of just falling on it. Like, someone has already fumbled the punt. (laughs) And someone's like, nope, I'm going to return it to the house after I pick it up in stride. No, you're not. If you ever, ever ran a drill for this, you would know, like I did... As a member of the hands team in seventh grade to fall on the ball. <laughs> However, our special teams coach does not apparently do that, nor does he recruit. I wonder what he does besides count his paper stacks. Um, anyway, I guess Nebraska has rounded into form on offense over the course of the year, but it's kind of hard to grade Nebraska's offense against the worst defense Illinois has ever fielded, the 122nd best in the country, uh, 8.9 yards per play. Offensive lines look pretty good. Yeah. Um, if you're, you're Nebraska, you're 3-7, and seven, I think they moved to now. Yeah. Um, after starting 0-6, it's not a bad spot to be in. You do, as we, as we I think, even through that 0-6 start, I think we thought there are signs of progress here. It's just a matter of time. better yeah. than that record. Yeah. And so, the, the last couple games they've got, I mean, Michigan State and Iowa, they'll probably be underdogs in both of those games. But would you be surprised if they end up winning both of them? No. Yeah, so. they, could, they could win either one of those. Um, against two very flawed opponents, I mean, Michigan State with offense, an offense that's just a, a, an incomparable mess right now, and then Iowa, which despite, I mean, having no real injury problems outside of their situation at corner, which isn't really an injury problem, um, despite having an otherwise healthy team with lots of talent, they continue to just kind of be Iowa. Two pretty good defenses, but Nebraska by all means should have won against Northwestern, uh, similar, similarly profiled defense. Um, so I don't know. We'll see if, if uh, you know, November Nebraska when the frost is coming. See if oh, that has anything. Oh, shit. Yep. Oh, it is frosty. Frost. It's frost day, y'all. Oh, so, shit. yeah, Illinois is just dumb uh, right now because the offense is actually slightly above average, but the defense is horrible. It is just horrifyingly bad. And so next year, it's all going to come down to does the offense improve enough is the defense can the defense improve enough to be merely bad? Um, I don't know. Well, look at it this way: this is the co- a conversation we've had before. If your team is going to be bad and lose a lot of games, would you rather lose unwatchable like ten seven slog fests, or would you rather lose hilarious you know cart full of exploding fireworks going down a hill towards the orphanage? You know, like <laughs> games where almost Absolutely. ninety points are scored and there's all kinds of big turnovers and plays. Yeah, those are those are fun. Those are funny. Those are memorable. Of course, the difference is if you've got a head coach that's bringing in your offense, that's a head coach, and you're like, all right, man, ride or die with this head coach. Your head coach is a defense guy, and you're playing those type of games, and you're wondering, what's our head coach doing here? Why don't, why don't we just save money and have the offense coordinator be the coach? 
Well, so, somebody's got to look stoic on the sideline and have the best beard in the conference. And also so, decide to punt when you've got nothing to lose on the road and it's fourth and one. Who else is going to call as many 50-plus yard field goals? Okay, so. <laughs> That is true. In, in a bizarre press conference today, Lovey said that he hopes we can get Reggie Corbin back. By the way, 1,000-yard rusher Reggie Corbin. Good stuff. Um, you know, because two games to play, we're alive for bowl game, you know, and this is our playoff run. So uh, it's weird. NFL, I don't, NFL, man. That, that's actually disconcerting because <laughs> yeah. I've been I've been assuming that that we're not playing for this season. If he's telling me that we have been playing for this season, uh oh. You can take the man out of the shield. Can't take the shield out of the man. <laughs> nope, not at all. So These are our playoffs, indeed. Um, you know, looking elsewhere. Um, Speaking of the playoffs, we thought Penn State and Wisconsin <laughs> came into this year with a chance to get there, and then this was a Big Ten title game preview. And uh, this game was as disappointing as the dual seasons that that, uh, preceded it. Yeah. So if you're Penn State, I guess you're racking as many wins as you can at this point and playing for bowl positioning. You've been out of the conference race for quite a bit now. If you're Wisconsin, well, I'll put it this way. If you're a Wisconsin fan, or even if you're you're not a Wisconsin fan, um, Alex Well, then send me some cheese. Yeah. (laughs) Alex Hornerbrook has had maybe one of the more commented upon 10 years of a current Big Ten quarterback. For most of his career, the story has been that he couldn't win a big game. Earlier this season, they had that win in Iowa that we thought put them in indomitable position to win the West title. Yep, we thought that was the opposite of the Joel Stave five turnovers game. Yeah, we thought that that was going to be, like, that was, it was towards the beginning of his junior year. He had most of two seasons left. We're like, wow, maybe the guy's turning a corner. Maybe he is going to end up being the guy that Paul Chris thinks he is. <laughs> he turned a corner, and he just kept turning and kept turning and kept turning, and then ran right into the Armco barrier and into a ditch. Yeah, but all that said, as much of a problem as he's been this year, I mean, concussions obviously are not anything that's in within a player's control, but without him on the field, you see what else Wisconsin has at that position, especially considering, I mean, Paul Chris is regarded as somewhat of a developer, evaluator of quarterbacks, is he not? I mean, yeah. When he came over from Pitt, Hornerbrook was the guy he brought with him, and despite the kind of unimpressive recruiting profile, I was like, well, that's Chris Guy. He's going to be good. But without Hornerbrook on the field, there is clearly nothing else in the quarterback group of Wisconsin right now. Now, Kari Lyles transferred, didn't he? The guy that was in the year behind Hornerbrook? Because, I don't believe he's still on the roster. Yeah, well, in, in either case, they've been op- then been kind of co-opted to go with Jack Cohen, and the guy just is not ready. Uh, whether he eventually is or not, you know, you don't want to look at a redshirt freshman and say, well, this guy's useless because he's not ready to play. But without a net uh, net gain of 17 yards when you subtract his 43 yards lost due to sack yeah. from his 60 yards passing. And that's not counting the two picks. Right. And, you know, Penn State's defense has plenty of talent. Shut up, ESPN. <laughs> a dynamic pass rush and everything. But they're not, you know, they're, I mean, by S&P, are they what? Are they even top 40? I don't know. Um Watch me be wrong in like a top ten defense or something, but no, they're not. They're 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 hovering sixty to seventy. Um, Trace McSorley put up a nineteen for twenty five or one hundred sixty yards. That's a very Big Ten, but he put up the one mark that matters, which meant W the quarterback win. Yep, the quarterback win. It's funny that they talk about this stuff with Penn State. I don't remember them ever talking about it with Joel Stave when he was pursuing the Wisconsin career when quarterback like, wins when he was leader like closing record. in on like fifty wins or whatever he ended up with. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's funny how different you know different people, different cultures sort of count things. And I also just refuse to believe in the quarterback win as a statistic. Uh, in fact, frankly, I like the idea of left tackle wins a lot better. 
Well, I just think whoever, you know, whatever pitcher wins the most games should win the Cy Young. What's wrong with that? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm surprised. I like Chris Sale. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that, like, some sabermetrics guy didn't, you know, repel in through your window and knife me in the chest for that. But um. <laughs> Oh, man. So, anyway, um, disappointing on both sides, and 22 to 10 is the score. Speaking of disappointing... Um, my prediction for Indiana-Maryland was an Indiana win in a way that made nobody particularly happy. Not hey. sure if that's what exactly what No, happened. I think you nailed it. Um, so look, if you're Indiana sitting on four wins for as long as they have been, um, any win is a good one. And now you, you're not going to get to bowl eligibility next week. Let's put that, let's kind of get that out of the way. But you do set up the scenario that I personally love the most, which is a bucket game with bowl eligibility on the line because neither of those teams has really been playing for a conference title in recent memory. So you preserve that. I, you know, I can't help but feel that in the medium term, in the medium term, um, having this shot at bowl eligibility, whether they get there or not, could end up being pretty important for Tom Allen keeping his job. Um, you know, Indiana's offense, again, looked functional enough. Peyton Ramsey quietly has kind of run hot and cold. It feels like every time I look at him and I'm watching, I'm like, wow, this guy's incredible. Like, he's having, he'll go on these excellent streaks where he's hitting, like, 10, 12 passes in a row. All the receivers are making good, are running good routes, making good catches. The run game works when they mix it in. The play calling looks good. And then, like, if I'm not watching, like, they turn to absolute mush. And I'm like, what the, well, what happened? And... It is a wildly inconsistent offense. But what's concerning to me when I look at the box score here is the uh, the defense because actually got pretty well dominated in this game, but uh, yeah. one due to four to one turnovers. They allowed yeah. 542 yards to what is a pedestrian Maryland offense at best. Uh, we're yeah. not, and again, you you lose to Maryland when you can't stop the run like at a basic functional level when you don't have gap integrity. Yeah, and that's, you know, Maryland ran the ball plenty well in this game. So when normally when we see that result, those are the games that Maryland has been winning. For them to have those wins, or for them to have those that yardage and lose the game has got to be discouraging if you're a Maryland fan because now looking at the rest of the Terps schedule, uh, if you want to get to bowl eligibility, you got to beat either Ohio State or Penn State. Neither of those teams is invincible this year. Neither of them is as good as they've been the last few years. But if you're Maryland, do you feel good about winning that game after kind of squandering a chance here against an Indiana team that you should have beaten? You know, it's almost like it's a free year because you know you're going to have a new coach. And, you know, at this point, you're not playing for your coach really in the long term. You're not playing to build something as a player. You're playing for just you and what you've put in. I know I know that's kind of how the culture was interim Illinois back in the day, but... Um, at, so you kind of have this very nothing to lose mentality. So yeah, I guess, well, they, I guess. Those, they, they don't have much of a chance in either of those two games. But unlike you know well, kicker on, kicker no. Joseph Petrino, it still does have those two games. Unlike Coach Bobby Petrino. Yeah, screw that guy. I, the only un you know the only distasteful part about him getting fired is that he gets fourteen million dollars to not work anymore. Um, yeah. But to kind of cl- to finish that thought on Maryland, though, you, you mentioned that it's a wasted season. And yes, I got, I don't argue the point. But when you take this season and you add in the fact that because of disastrous quarterback injuries in two other seasons they've had, I mean, Maryland and Rutgers have both been in the Big Ten for this will be the sixth complete season, right? Am I right about that? 13, uh, I think 13 no, was the first No, year, 14 was. Oh, 14. All right. So, oh, it was six years since it was announced, I think. Yeah. But all right. So, of those years... 
I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna just write off entire seasons, how long is it gonna be before you figure out what your place in the conference is? How long do you have to wait for you to carry your you know justify your paycheck? And yes, I get that you're not getting a full portion yet or whatever. Um, no, well, they, think... they, they, you know what? They seem to so far occupy a similar place that they did in the ACC. Is to say, they're just kind of there. Yeah, and and every every now and then you're laughably bad. Every now and then you surprise the shit out of somebody and win seven games. Yeah, so and win nine games every now and then and man, make a like, peek into the rankings in your greatest years. If we were gonna go that route, and that's what we were going to acquire from a competitive standpoint, we could have gotten like Wake Forest. At least they have a really cool mascot you know (laughs) Uh, (laughs) oh boy why you gotta hit so hard (laughs) because that's what r2 was so last game of the week is uh easily the most inexplicable yeah probably minnesota uh taking a cue from illinois fires their defensive coordinator and (laughs) and then then shuts down an an opponent defensively that's a pretty good offense yeah go (laughs) go figure uh, go figure. Exactly. Yeah. So you now have kind of the uh, quadrangle of blowouts that you want to expose on a little bit here. Well, it's a it's a triangle triad of blowouts where you have Purdue beat the ever loving shit out of Illinois, thirty nine point victory. Illinois blew out Minnesota. I mean, it wasn't as close as the score indicated. And then Minnesota wallops Purdue. So if you have to assign values for rock, paper, and scissors to each of these schools, um, how are you doing it? And explain your reasoning. Um, I'm going to say that, um, okay, I'm going to say Minnesota is rock because Minnesota just seems like a rock to me. Um, Even though you would expect something more buoyant, um, I believe in what Minnesota is, not what PJ Fleck is. So you're rocking the boat. Yes. Sit down. (laughs) Purdue then becomes... uh, becomes scissors because it's a mechanism that when it's all working properly and nothing's out of tolerance or out of spec or anything uh, is, a, is, a, is a precision machine. However, you just knock something off of that little little device with then, a rock or something. And then, and then Illinois is paper because we can't figure out how you beat rock. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's where I was setting up with the whole time because... because because yeah, it, there, there's not really you have to do a lot of hand waving to explain why paper beats rock. It's just it's like yeah, so the paper wraps around the rock. But wait, now a the second. rock is covered. How does that make? That, doesn't that just improve the rock's defense against the scissors? And they're like, no, no, you just have to accept it. You just have to accept it. No, there was a, there was a Dimitri Martin bit about this where he's trying to walk his way through it, and it's like, oh, paper covers rock. Rock is fine. Rock is, <laughs> rock is not affected by the paper. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, apparently Rock, Minnesota, is fine. Rock is not affected by the paper. I mean, this game happened before the news of Louisville firing Petrino came down. When you see results like this, I mean, sure, with, with a guy who, again, is only in his second year, a guy who's had very impressive results so far, probably more so than most people expected when he was hired, there are going to be these moments of reality still where it's like, okay, yeah, in certain matchups, in certain situations... Like Eastern Michigan. Yeah, it's going to be obvious that this roster really isn't quite as good as Brahms coaching has generally made it look. Um, it'll be interesting to see where Purdue goes from here. Um, let's take a look at... forget what their schedule is the rest of the year. So oh, they play Wisconsin Indiana. Okay, so... Wisconsin's at home. That's senior day. It's certainly not an unobtainable win. I mean, you think think about the Purdue-Wisconsin matchup five years ago or even three years ago. Are we talking about that as a competitive game? Not at Certainly all. not. 
Like um, I think of Wisconsin this year, and I think it would be a very vulnerable defense. Right, especially well, especially not Sagapolo who's out for the year because yeah. he was really the last guy in that front seven that was that looked like he belonged on the Wisconsin of yore. Yeah. Um, I think Van Ginkle got hurt this week too, although I'm not sure how serious that is. Um, but yeah, for Purdue now also sitting at five and five, this is where if you're a Boilermaker fan, you look back at those first few games of the season when they had tough loss after tough loss, and boy, would it be nice to already have cashed in the six wins you need for bowl eligibility. But because they couldn't do it, they've got to get one of these last two games. And again, Purdue and Indiana both sitting at five wins, both with two weeks left in the in the season. Both with a game next week that I don't think either would be favored in. Um, I haven't checked the line yet. I guess, you know, if you want to call Purdue a home favorite against Wisconsin this year, I'm not going to be mad about it, but it would still surprise me if Ozmakers put it that way. So I say all that to have lost track of my actual original thought, which is, you know, Jeff Brom hasn't exactly dismissed the chatter about him taking a Louisville job. It's an obvious bit that's his hometown. He recruits, he already dominates the recruiting there, if you can imagine how much he would control that area if he had the job of the school in the city. Um, so you wonder what effect that has on a team the last His couple whole career has taken place around Louisville. Yeah. This is about the farthest away he's gone. Right, and it's like two hours. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, further than that. I always, For whatever reason, I always juxtapose the positions of Indiana and Purdue in my mind. I don't know why exactly, but I always think of Purdue as being in the southern half of the nope, state. Purdue's the one that's near, that's near Champaign. Right, that's how I'll keep track of it. <laughs> so, um, in any case, the game. the Brom to Louisville storyline is certainly going to be one to watch. He does not come off as the type of guy who's going to bail on the team and make that announcement with games left to play in the regular season. Even if Purdue does make the bowl, though, it'll be interesting to see if they can hang on to him. Um, I really hope they do. I'll say that for the record. I mean, I'm, you know, our hopes are worth whatever air we speak them with, but Purdue having a dynamic, exciting, highly competent head coach like that is good for the Big Ten. We always, people in the national media always talk about Michigan being good is good for the Big Ten. Ohio State being good is good for the Big Ten. Well, no, those teams are always pretty good. What is good for the Big Ten is teams that are not always good being good. I happen to think Michigan State being good the last, most last decade has been good for the Big Ten. Wisconsin being good is good for the Big Ten. Purdue not being Daryl Hazel Purdue is really good for the Big Ten. And when you talk about what's good for the Big Ten, you got to look at the Big Ten has really prospered over the last 25 years. So it's clear that Illinois should probably fire Rod Smith. <laughs> so anyway, when we look at the races all wrapped up here for the West, but in the East, there's really only two things that could happen. Um, no, there's, there's exactly two things that could happen. And one of them is that Maryland beats Ohio State. And then Michigan thereby clinches the... I mean, I'm assuming Michigan beats Indiana. So, right. Well, even if they don't, both teams would still have one conference loss. So you're right. The only outcome that matters for the East Division race this week is Ohio State-Maryland. If Ohio State loses, that race is also over. And if anything else happens, if Michigan wins or loses and Ohio State wins, then we have the game setting up as a play-in. And really, if both teams win as they should going into that game, that's a con that's a college football playoff round of 16 game. Yeah. The winner of that game goes to the conference title game. The winner, if if the winner then wins the conference title, that winner goes to the playoff. Well, the other thing that it does is um, potentially. And I say this only in the case of, there's only one case where this is like this, but potentially you, you, you get the Alabama effect. If Ohio State were to win out, 
and get into the playoff. But Michigan's only loss is to Ohio State. We lost to Notre Dame. Oh, I keep forgetting that they did yeah. that because I think that yeah. Never mind then. No, I get what you're getting at. Although, yeah, no. Well, then what you how, get? You know, then how, what you get is what somebody beat two of the um, two of the playoff teams. Yeah, it was Auburn last year beat both Alabama and Georgia. Right. So then, yeah, that's what you have instead of the Alabama coasts in because of their only lost thing. Okay, good job, Michigan. Once again, listen to that. I'm 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 about to give you a mulligan for the college football playoff only for your past misdeeds to haunt you. This is what you get for losing to Notre Dame. Yeah. So looking elsewhere in the country, um, a few interesting results. Uh, Kentucky, they lose to unranked Tennessee. This is not the proof of concept game for Tennessee, though. They had that earlier in the year. Um, who did they beat that they weren't supposed to? Auburn. Yes. Yes. Although that, you know, has not necessarily been a win that's aged well. But another indication here that maybe Jeremy Pruitt is going to be a guy who can get Tennessee going in the right direction sooner rather than later. Uh, but also, also an indicator of just that SEC bump that's affected everybody but Alabama. Just by being near Alabama, man, they've gotten big old numbers thrown up, or small numbers thrown next to their ranking. Right, Kentucky up to number 11, and really, what is Kentucky's best win this year? Florida, probably? Yeah. And what is Florida, is Florida really any good? Maybe, but... They've got three <laughs> losses now, too. Yeah, and yet I mean, they're still, they were still, what, 15 going into this week? So, yeah, um... In terms of pure ranking, I mean, there were no top ten, top 10 upsets this week, I don't believe. That would probably qualify Kentucky as the biggest dick trip looking elsewhere. Um, NC State, they were top man, 10 when they played Clemson a couple weeks they're ago. They're just as determined as they can be to only be themselves. They came in 6-0. and oh. uh, did they, I don't think that, they, that College Game Day was there, but it was a big deal with them versus uh, Clemson. They lost to Clemson, I thought, for kind of badly. Then lost to Purdue, or not Purdue, uh, Syracuse. Mm-hmm. You can see how I would get them confused. Lost to Purdue accused, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> lost to Syracuse last week, and then now it's three in a row yeah, against and Woke it, Forest. I could be wrong, and maybe I'm just not consuming national football media as much as I used to, which is probably a healthy thing for my temperament and you know mental status, but... I can't help but feel that, for whatever reason, Clemson's not getting the chatter that they should be. Maybe I'm wrong about that. But at least no, maybe early in the season, thing. they had a string of kind of unimpressive results. Um, there was a drama with Kelly Bryant. And then it felt to me like kind of the eyes of the college football world sort of left them. But the fact is, Trevor Lawrence has gotten his feet under him really fast. He's absolutely justified all the tremendous hype he came in with. Probably the most hyped quarterback prospect. Uh, I mean... Josh Rosen, I guess, had some hype, but he wasn't going no, to a very good. He wasn't going to a very good team. He was thought of as an excellent pro prospect from a young age. That was my point. So from that standpoint, yeah, Clemson now with Trevor Lawrence clearly being. I mean, everyone. If you think back to how much criticism was kind of levied at how Dabble Sweeney handled the whole thing with Kelly Bryant, it's like, oh, this guy's a senior. You know, you're just gonna bench him. He's and now he leaves the team, and you you go get him. You try to bring him back because then Lawrence got hurt, and they almost lost that game to Syracuse because now you're down to the third guy in the depth chart because your backup transferred after being benched. A much ado about nothing because the thing that we keep seeing, whether we like to accept it or not, and being fans of the programs we are, I think we generally don't like to accept it. Superior. The truth is, talent will out. out. Yes. Superior talent wins out. It solves these problems. There was never any question that Trevor over the long term. Yeah, that over the long term. Right. That Trevor Lawrence was a truly fantastic player, and at some point, it was going to be better for Clemson to get him in there as long as they possibly. So. So yeah, the hype around Clemson. The thing is. You always had to deal with this Alabama thing, and then you had 
you know, with Oklahoma losing early, the Big 12 had a little bit of upheaval as people shot up to claim their spot. There was a cycle of those teams that were exciting. You, you know, with with the Big 10, you had Ohio State, uh, you know, go down to Purdue, but in a way that looked like Purdue was rising. Okay, so basically the thing is that Clemson comes in as Diet Bama, right? They're just as bit as just every bit as dominant in conference lately, but don't have as many national titles. And then the ACC has had some upheaval, and it's just been a series of games. It's like, can this upstart take down Clemson? Nope. <laughs> nope. Ding! All right. Then next to the ring. All right. Throw NC State in there. Let's see what they do. Oh, oh, God. Oh, geez. Look at all the blood. Nope. All right. Get the, get this body out of here. Who's who's next? It's Boston uh, College time. You get Is in there. Is this the team to knock well, off the Tigers? Steve Adazio's a dude. Maybe he can grind this game out. Oh, Thumb no. down. <laughs> So, are you not entertained? No. Are you we not, are not entertained? entertained? No, no we it's, are not. It's very boring to just watch Clemson and Bama and teams like them grind team after team into pace. But because Alabama is the pinnacle, you have to hear about it all the time. Clemson's diet Bama. They're on a smaller stage, if you will. Yeah. The Sooners nearly dick-tripped, as uh, often happens in the Bedlam game. Yeah, I saw the one-point differential. Um, Mike Gundy continuing to be the champion of my heart, then blamed college football's transfer culture on liberal po- politics and, you know, the snowflake generation. And, you know, I don't you care. You them damn liberals in Norman. I don't even care. Oh, yes, Norman. <laughs> no, noted bastion of liberality. Uh <laughs> I don't even care if he's right about that, by the way. If, if this thing that old people like to say about our generation being entitled, I mean, I don't know if he's necessarily speaking to our generation because when thir- current 30-year-olds were in college, I don't think transfers were nearly as much of a thing. Um, so he's not really talking to us necessarily. But if the transfer thing is a function of entitlement of people wanting to make the best of their own lives, I'm fine with that. The toxicity of sports psychology of sacrifice everything for the team the team the team where has that led us that has led us to penn state that has led us to baylor that has led us to some very unseemly places so the dismantling of this up you know this uplifting of the team as this invincible irreproachable monument and again just it's just fine the team is important but you're talking team over everything team over honor team over your own self-interest like you know a minor gain for the team over your entire career and it would be different if college sports was still truly an amateur endeavor okay but it's not the team is making a hell of a lot of money off of you you are getting a free education sure but in the value of that is entirely disproportionate to the benefit that you're referring. No. And whatever you go and do what is best for you. And and you know a point that we have made before and we'll make again. Whatever the TV producers uh, and the coaches themselves would have you believe, football's not the military. You're not responsible for your brothers' lives. It's not that's not what it's like. You know, they're they're gonna be just fine. They're gonna find somebody to 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 you know to replace you. They'll they'll move on in the program, and at the end of the day, everybody will just play football and go to college. Yeah, you're and ultimately, <laughs> like you dead. know, you're just another cog. I mean, has Jalen Hurts ever been anything but a team player for Alabama? No. And what's his reward for that, Ben? Well, no to, watch, to watch a, a guy in one year behind him come take his job, erase his name. Right. So. No, you're, yeah. 
That's all we need to say about that. Well, um, anyway, the last thing to discuss: yeah. where on the Shannon Golden spectrum of backability is Miami currently? Uh, I would say what early Randy Shannon. Early Randy Shannon still held some help, some hope of the past, though. I think we're kind of we're in classical Shannon here, mid Shannon years. Um, you know, like sophomore Jacory Harris. Where it's oh, like, oh, yes. no, hold on now. This could still work. Like, okay, yeah, it's not as good as we thought initially. But given enough time, you know, swamp water finds its level. Uh, the canes will be back. Nothing to worry about here. Never mind all the things that are on fire. Um, fires will burn themselves out eventually. It's not like there's all that much oil. Like you know, as long as the forests aren't horribly mismanaged. Right. <laughs> Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's Off Tackle Empire!